Welcome to the 3ABN Australia Radio Book Reading Program. The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen White, is an inspirational account of the life and ministry of Jesus. What you are about to hear is a dramatized audio version of this book, created by Nancy Hamilton Myers. To download your free copy, visit thedesireofagesproject.com. Listen now as Nancy continues to read from The Desire of Ages. The Desire of Ages, Chapter 39 Give ye them to eat. Christ had retired to a secluded place with his disciples, but this rare season of peaceful quietude was soon broken. The disciples thought they had retired where they would not be disturbed. But as soon as the multitude missed the divine teacher, they inquired, Where is he? Some among them had noticed the direction in which Christ and his disciples had gone. Many went by land to meet them, while others followed in their boats across the water. The Passover was at hand, and far and near, bands of pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem gathered to see Jesus. Additions were made to their number, until there were assembled 5,000 men besides women and children. Before Christ reached the shore, a multitude were waiting for him, but he landed unobserved by them and spent a little time apart with the disciples. From the hillside he looked upon the moving multitude and his heart was stirred with sympathy. Interrupted as he was and robbed of his rest, he was not impatient. He saw a greater necessity demanding his attention as he watched the people coming and still coming. He was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. Leaving his retreat, he found a convenient place where he could minister to them. They received no help from the priests and rulers, but the healing waters of life flowed from Christ as he taught the multitude the way of salvation. The people listened to the words of mercy flowing so freely from the lips of the Son of God. They had heard the gracious words, so simple and so plain, that they were as the balm of Gilead to their souls. The healing of his divine hand brought gladness and life to the dying, and ease and health to those suffering with disease. The day seemed to them like heaven upon earth, and they were utterly unconscious of how long it had been since they had eaten anything. At length the day was far spent and the sun was sinking in the west, and yet the people lingered. Jesus had labored all day without food or rest. He was pale from weariness and hunger, and the disciples besought him to cease from his toil, but he could not withdraw himself from the multitude that pressed upon him. The disciples finally came to him, urging that for their own sake the people should be sent away. Many had come from far and had eaten nothing since morning. In the surrounding towns and villages they might be able to buy food. But Jesus said, Give ye them to eat. And then turning to Philip, questioned, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to test the faith of the disciple. Philip looked over the sea of heads and thought, How impossible! 
it would be to provide food to satisfy the wants of such a crowd. He answered that two hundred pennyworth of bread would not be nearly enough to divide among them, so that each might have a little. Jesus inquired how much food could be found among the company. There is a lad here, said Andrew, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Jesus directed that these be brought to him. Then he bade the disciples seat the people on the grass in parties of fifty or a hundred to preserve order, and that all might witness what he was about to do. When this was accomplished, Jesus took the food and, looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. He who taught the people the way to secure peace and happiness was just as thoughtful of their temporal necessities as of their spiritual need. The people were weary and faint. There were mothers and babes in their arms and little children clinging to their skirts. Many had been standing for hours. They had been so intensely interested in Christ's words that they had not once thought of sitting down, and the crowd was so great that there was danger of their trampling on one another. Jesus would give them a chance to rest, and he bade them sit down. There was much grass in the place, and all could rest in comfort. Christ never worked a miracle except to supply a genuine necessity, and every miracle was of a character to lead the people to the tree of life, whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. The simple food passed around by the hands of the disciples contained a whole treasure of lessons. It was humble fare that had been provided. The fishes and barley loaves were the daily food of the fisher folk about the Sea of Galilee. Christ could have spread before the people a rich repast, but food prepared merely for the gratification of appetite would have conveyed no lesson for their good. Christ taught them in this lesson that the natural provisions of God for man had been perverted, and never did people enjoy the luxurious feasts prepared for the gratification of perverted taste, as this people enjoyed the rest and the simple food which Christ provided so far from human habitations. If men today were simple in their habits, living in harmony with nature's laws, as did Adam and Eve in the beginning, there would be an abundant supply for the needs of the human family. There would be fewer imaginary wants and more opportunities to work in God's ways. But selfishness and the indulgence of unnatural taste have brought sin and misery into the world. From excess on the one hand, and from want on the other. Jesus did not seek to attract the people to him by gratifying the desire for luxury. To that great throng, weary and hungry after the long, exciting day, the simple fare was an assurance not only of his power, but of his tender care for them in the common needs of life. The Saviour has not promised his followers the luxuries of the world, their fare may be plain and even scanty. Their lot may be shut in by poverty. But his word is pledged that their need shall be supplied. 
and he has promised that which is far better than worldly good, the abiding comfort of his own presence. In feeding the 5,000, Jesus lifts the veil from the world of nature and reveals the power that is constantly exercised for our good. In the production of Earth's harvests, God is working a miracle every day. Through natural agencies, the same work is accomplished that was wrought in the feeding of the multitude. Men prepare the soil and sow the seed, but it is the life from God that causes the seed to germinate. It is God's rain and air and sunshine that cause it to be put forth, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. It is God who is every day feeding millions from Earth's harvest fields. Men are called upon to cooperate with God in the care of the grain and the preparation of the loaf. And because of this, they lose sight of the divine agency. They do not give God the glory due unto His holy name. The working of His power is ascribed to natural causes or to human instrumentality. Man is glorified in place of God, and his gracious gifts are perverted to selfish uses and made a curse instead of a blessing. God is seeking to change all this. He desires that our dull senses shall be quickened to discern his merciful kindness and to glorify him for the working of his power. He desires us to recognize him in his gifts, that they may be, as he intended, a blessing to us. It was to accomplish this purpose that the miracles of Christ were performed. After the multitude had been fed, there was an abundance of food left. But he who had all the resources of infinite power at his command said, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. These words meant more than putting the bread into the baskets. The lesson was twofold. Nothing is to be wasted. We are to let slip no temporal advantage. We should neglect nothing that will tend to benefit a human being. Let everything be gathered up that will relieve the necessity of Earth's hungry ones. And there should be the same carefulness in spiritual things. When the baskets of fragments were collected, the people thought of their friends at home. They wanted them to share in the bread that Christ had blessed. The contents of the baskets were distributed among the eager throng, and they were carried away into all the region round about. So those who were at the feast were to give to others the bread that comes down from heaven to satisfy the hunger of the soul. They were to repeat what they had learned of the wonderful things of God. Nothing was to be lost. Not one word that concerned their eternal salvation was to fall useless to the ground. The miracle of the loaves teaches a lesson of dependence upon God. When Christ fed the 5,000, the food was not nigh at hand. Apparently, he had no means at his command. Here he was with 5,000 men, besides women and children, in the wilderness. He had not invited the large multitude to follow him. They came without invitation or command. But he knew that after they had listened so long to his instruction, they would feel hungry and faint. 
for he was one with them in their need of food. They were far from home, and the night was close at hand. Many of them were without means to purchase food. He who for their sake had fasted forty days in the wilderness would not suffer them to return fasting to their homes. The providence of God had placed Jesus where he was, and he depended on his heavenly Father for the means to relieve the necessity. And when we are brought into straight places, we are to depend on God. We are to exercise wisdom and judgment in every action of life, that we may not, by reckless movements, place ourselves in trial. We are not to plunge into difficulties, neglecting the means God has provided and misusing the faculties He has given us. Christ's workers are to obey His instructions implicitly. The work is God's, and if we would bless others, His plans must be followed. Self cannot be made a center. Self can receive no honor. If we plan according to our own ideas, the Lord will leave us to our own mistakes. But when, after following His directions, we are brought into straight places, He will deliver us. We are not to give up in discouragement, but in every emergency, we are to seek help from Him who has infinite resources at His command. Often we shall be surrounded with trying circumstances, and then, in the fullest confidence, we must depend upon God. He will keep every soul that is brought into perplexity through trying to keep the way of the Lord. Christ has bidden us, through the prophet, Deal thy bread to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and bring the poor that are cast out into thy house. He has bidden us, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But how often our hearts sink and faith fails us, and we see how great is the need and how small the means in our hands. Like Andrew looking upon the five barley loaves and the two little fishes, we exclaim, What are they among so many? Often we hesitate, unwilling to give all that we have, fearing to spend and to be spent for others. But Jesus has bidden us, Give ye them to eat. His command is a promise. And behind it is the same power that fed the multitude beside the sea. In Christ's act of supplying the temporal necessities of a hungry multitude is wrapped up a deep spiritual lesson for all his workers. Christ received from the Father. He imparted to the disciples. They imparted to the multitude and the people to one another. So all who are united to Christ will receive from him the bread of life, the heavenly food, and impart it to others. In full reliance upon God, Jesus took the small store of loaves, and although there was but a small portion for his own family of disciples, he did not invite them to eat, but began to distribute to them, bidding them serve the people. The food multiplied in his hands, and the hands of the disciples reaching out to Christ himself, the bread of life, were never empty. The little store was sufficient for all. 
After the wants of the people had been supplied, the fragments were gathered up and Christ and his disciples ate together of the precious, heaven-supplied food. The disciples were the channel of communication between Christ and the people. This should be a great encouragement to his disciples today. Christ is the great center, the source of all strength. His disciples are to receive their supplies from him. The most intelligent, the most spiritually minded can bestow only as they receive. Of themselves, they can supply nothing for the needs of the soul. We can impart only that which we receive from Christ and we can receive only as we impart to others. As we continue imparting, we continue to receive, and the more we impart, the more we shall receive. Thus, we may be constantly believing, trusting, receiving, and imparting. The work of building up the kingdom of Christ will go forward, though to all appearance it moves slowly and impossibilities seem to testify against advance. The work is of God, and He will furnish means and will send helpers, true, earnest disciples, whose hands also will be filled with food for the starving multitude. God is not unmindful to those who labor in love to give the word of life to perishing souls, who in their turn reach forth their hands for food for other hungry souls. In our work for God, there is danger of relying too largely upon what man with his talents and abilities can do. Thus, we lose sight of the one master worker. Too often the worker for Christ fails to realize his personal responsibility. He is in danger of shifting his burden upon organizations instead of relying upon him who is the source of all strength. It is a great mistake to trust in human wisdom or numbers in the work of God. Successful work for Christ depends not so much on numbers or talent as upon pureness of purpose, the true simplicity of earnest, dependent faith. Personal responsibilities must be borne. Personal duties must be taken up. Personal efforts must be made for those who do not know Christ. In the place of shifting your responsibility upon someone whom you think more richly endowed than you are, work according to your ability. When the question comes home to your heart, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Let not your answer be the response of unbelief. When the disciples heard the Savior's direction, give ye them to eat, all the difficulties arose in their minds. They questioned, Shall we go away into the villages to buy food? So now, when the people are destitute of the bread of life, the Lord's children question, Shall we send for someone from afar to come and feed them? But what said Christ? Make the men sit down, and he fed them there. So when you are surrounded by souls in need, know that Christ is there. Commune with him. Bring your barley loaves to Jesus. The means in our possession may not seem to be sufficient for the work, but if we will move forward in faith, believing in the all-sufficient power of God, 
abundant resources will open before us. If the work be of God, he himself will provide the means for its accomplishment. He will reward honest, simple reliance upon him. The little that is wisely and economically used in the service of the Lord of Heaven will increase in the very act of imparting. In the hand of Christ, the small supply of food remained undiminished until the famished multitude were satisfied. If we go to the source of all strength, with our hands of faith outstretched to receive, we shall be sustained in our work, even under the most forbidding circumstances, and shall be enabled to give to others the bread of life. The Lord says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth with blessing shall reap also with blessings. And God is able to make all grace abound unto you, that ye, having always all sufficiency in everything, may abound unto every good work, as it is written, He hath scattered abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness abideth forever. And he that supplieth seed to the sower and bread for food shall supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Ye being enriched in everything unto all liberality which worketh through us thanksgiving to God. Join us next time as Nancy Hamilton Myers continues her dramatized audiobook, The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen G. White. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.